Welcome to SheCast, She's Very Own Podcast. This series of SheCast will explore everything from trends in the digital world to advise on how we can play to your strengths and overcome personal and work challenges. We're featuring some amazing industry guests who will also be sharing their experiences within their field. Alongside me, I'm Rachel, the Chief Operations Officer at SHU, and there will be Chris, our Chief Vision Officer, and also our guest hosts from the SHU Academy, and these include Annie, Katie and Sabrina. We hope you enjoy our series this autumn. Thank you. Hi everybody, I'm Annie and welcome to Shoecast. Today we are joined by Rachel from Shoe Social Media and Simon from Sandler Training. And today we'll be focusing on the changing dynamics between sales and marketing teams. So Simon, would you like to tell us a bit about yourself? Oh, good morning, uh, Annie. Good morning, Rachel. Uh, yeah, um, our, our company um, is, is Sandler Training. We specialise in sales and sales leadership training. Um, we, we tend to work um, with companies who are they're ambitious they're open-minded across the world and and really fast-growing companies who maybe have one or two key areas that that they they know are stunting their growth if you like in order to get to the to to the next level and and we're often invited in to to talk about areas like you know perhaps they're not getting in front of enough of the right new opportunities or or they may be spending time um, doing a lot of quotes and proposals that that don't seem to land or, 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 you know, maybe sales leadership are, are young in their role and they're not able to, to keep the sales team accountable. So we, we tend to get invited in to, to look at really what's going on there and, and, and why it's happening. Um, and uh, and, and from, from there, we, we tend to work long term with companies as opposed to a quick fix um, magic wand session that, um, that, that the experience shows we don't see any change from. So, uh, yeah, that's that's us. Very nice. Rachel, would you like to tell us a bit more about Shu? Just give another Yeah, another brief overview. So um yeah, Rachel again, as if some of you are familiar, I've been on a couple of the SheCast pod um over the last sort of couple of months. I'm the co-founder here at Shu Social Media. Um been invited on to chat today um to Simon. We specialize in Facebook and Instagram advertising, generating leads for those salespeople that Simon's just been talking about. Um, And um, Simon and I had an interesting chat um, a few weeks ago about the dynamics of teams between marketing and sales. So we thought we'd just bring that into a podcast and then further on down the line, we'll be creating a webinar as well to follow on from this podcast to dive a little bit deeper. So that's what kind of what the plan is. (laughs) Good. Well, to um, start off, we'll just ask a question to the both of you. Um, So as think about the similarities and differences between um, sales and marketing teams. Do they overlap in some of the things they do or conflict each other in some of the things they do? What? I think um, it's, it's a great question, Annie. And I think probably in, I'm not to say most in many organizations, there's, there's a, there's a little bit of a, it's almost like a, a divided, um, uh, departments if I think all the way back to, to one of my very first jobs um, and I went to America and I worked for um, a soccer team at the Tampa Bay Mutiny in um, in the States and, and upstairs where where the, the nice offices were if you like was was the, the exec team and with the marketing team downstairs in what was more like the engine room was the sales team 
and I wasn't I wasn't employed directly by the company, but I was in, I was involved and I was working in there. And so I was friends with everybody. But you could talk to Martin, and nah, they didn't have a good word to say about sales. And you could talk to sales, and there was never a good word to say about Martin. And although that was 20 years, 20, 25 years ago, I, I think across a lot of the companies we go into, maybe more quietly, but not a lot has, has probably changed. And there's, there's, a, there's a big divide, which means there's, there's also a big opportunity, I think, for many companies who, who do bring those two departments, you know, to work in unison together. But I don't know, from your experience, Rachel, what, uh, what, what do you see? Yeah, I suppose. Um, interestingly, I've, I've in through my sort of career, I've, I've worked in in marketing and I've worked in business development as well, and I've I've always been like the person that's having to sort of generate leads as well um, for sales teams. But I've also been on the on the backbone where marketing have generated sales leads and given me a massive list. And I've just, I've been that person when I've read the article that you sent across to me, Simon, it's like sat there thinking these leads are not, not good quality. Um, and, and as a business, that's kind of where we've had to really work hard to sort of generate those um, leads from being not just marketing qualified leads, but actually to be sales qualified leads. So they're a lot warmer for those sales teams to, um, to pick up. Um, having been on the, the receiving end of, the, of, of those lists and they can be quite challenging. You ring people up and you suddenly find out that they've, they've, they've just been perusing a website and they haven't actually sort of been um, for personal reasons because I worked in sort of the hotel um, industry at the time. So there was a very, and it wasn't actually for corporate. So that's been a little bit of a, an interesting, seeing it from both sides of the coin is really interesting. And um, I think, I think there was never any open communication between the two teams. Marketing would be sat, at like um, particularly in the hotel world, marketing would be sat at head office somewhere in a big city, for example, London. Um, I'd be sat up in Edinburgh um, doing something, um, and there would be a big sort of miscommunication. And I think as salespeople, rightly so, I think your article explains that we're on the we're dealing with customers. Um, all the time we know what the end user needs but sometimes marketing are so involved in terms of creating um, that tone of voice for a business but they forget that they need to talk to their sales team to find out what's actually going on on the ground I don't know kind of what your experiences of of that are Simon yeah it's, it's I think it's that you know when you're saying that are they are they together on the ground Is, do they know what's going on on the ground I think there's so many different areas where there's gaps between what, what sales are looking at and what marketing is looking at. And I think one of the things we see, it's, it's rare to see when you ask the question, you know, how often do your sales and marketing teams? So not when the senior leadership get together and you've got the sales director and the marketing director, but how often do those teams actually get together and meet? And, and how often do, does a salesperson spend a day working in a marketing person's world and vice versa so that they really start to to share and understand each other's worlds and and that tends to go um pretty much to a, an answer of, of of crickets when you ask that question in a company mm -hmm. i don't i don't know if you see that rachel and what would you you know from from 
your corner, if you like, if we're in the red and the blue corner. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like we're in a boxing <laughs> ring or something, isn't it? We're all like having that, like, what's going on? And I, yeah, I suppose in, in a weird way, as, as, as an agency, we've been um, providing sort of SME businesses that may not have a large sales team or a large marketing team with those sales leads. And sometimes you, you do find that you're sort of fighting your corner for more budget um so you'll always get a sales guy who says oh they 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 don't know what they're doing I can do it better but then they're more interested in getting the deal in and closing the deal and getting I suppose some are on commission um one particular guy that we've worked with he he is on on commission and and he's not interested in generating leads he just wants his his leads sat in his inbox first thing in the morning so he can get in touch with people and, and close those deals um, but I do know uh, I've worked in roles where I've been both and I've had to do marketing and I've had to do sales at the same time. And, and they're just completely different skill sets. Yeah. Um, and you're kind of there, just suddenly you're doing marketing and the next minute you're going to have to switch your brain to actually go out and do proactive sort of business development and sales with people. And I think that's an interesting thing that people don't quite get. The two disciplines are really, really different. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are on that, Simon. Well, it, it, they are very different and they're very, I mean, one of the things we see that the personality, the, the, the skill set, the competencies between one type of salesperson and another is very different. You know, yeah. a, hunt, a hunter versus a, a farmer, if you like. Yeah. Um, and then when you go across to marketing, again, very different set of skill competencies. So I think it can be a real challenge in small companies where you don't have... Um, the revenues yet to support a payroll where you have different departments so you do have to pick that one person yeah I think it can work but the the importance is going in there with your eyes wide open and looking at okay what competencies are required for each rather than just expecting the person who's been good at selling to do marketing or, or, or vice versa um, I think that's the it's like anything isn't it it's, it's, it's understanding what are the key competencies you want from that person and then when you're recruiting, interviewing, coaching, training that person, where are the gaps? You know, what, what do they need in order to do a good job? And don't be surprised when they <laughs> do one better than the other. Um, because, you know, it's, the reality is people have their strengths, they have their weaknesses. Yeah, I think, I think we need to understand more of the why, the why about all that communication styles and, and putting... Um, I see a lot of square pegs in round holes sometimes mm. um, with with sort of people that are in the wrong positions. And don't get me wrong, I've been there too. I've, I've, I've been in the wrong job um, once and I was just like, what am I doing here and why am I here? Um, and it wasn't quite me. Um, and I've had to, and I, I recognise that in myself. Um, it's quite fortunate to do that, that I'd walked into the, into the wrong opportunity. Um, but I quickly realised sort of, and I sort of spoke to the people that I was working for and sort of kind of had that conversation, had that conversation, which some people probably wouldn't, um, which I think is, is quite challenging and realised that there were actually completely different skill sets. And, and, and I think more the hunting side, um, as Simon put it nicely, that was the challenge for me. Um, that sort of winning culture that you need to have in your head, I suppose it's a mindset thing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, well, for me, it was, um, it wasn't quite kind of what I was looking to go down that route. I'm very good at farming and looking after people. Um, but the challenge for me was like that sort of hunt, hunting and winning. 
Mm. Uh, but yet I'd come from an events and marketing background. So a very different kind of cultures to suddenly sort of jump in. And I think that was kind of after the last recession in 2008, where I was sort of jumped into sort of a sale sales role um, in into events. And it was a very, very different sort of ball game. Uh, it was interesting because I knew I needed to learn those skills, but I also knew it was important to understand how the sales team worked in reaction to the events and marketing teams as well. Yeah, yeah, and and that's interesting. You say that around, um, you know, how the sales team worked and what they needed. Mm. Um, one of the things that you that you experienced there that that marketing teams or sales team what. What, what do they miss and what do they what sort of information do you find that they need to support each other so that they get on the same page? I suppose. Oh, God, that's a really good question, because it is quite interesting to see Annie's like smiling there. <laughs> um, I think it's about communication, isn't it? And trust about having those teams working together. So they're actually sort of talking to each other and understanding as much as marketing understand and they kind of define what the customer looks like, the sales team actually spend the time talking to them. Mm-hmm. And it is that open communicate and trust, trusting teams, isn't it? Having that, um, that's sort of joining up the businesses in the departments, if, if they have those big departments, depending on the size of, of the business function itself. Yeah, I think that's a really great one, isn't it? Is what does the customer look like? What's the persona of yeah. the typical customer? And I think sometimes... The, the one that marketing is going after and the one that sales are going after can be completely different. And yeah. <laughs> often it, whether, which way around that comes from, I don't know. Often the salespeople are on the ground, aren't they? They know, yeah. they listen to what, what the customer who buys sounds like every day and what the customer who doesn't buy sounds like. But what we often find is that that information doesn't get fed back in to marketing. Mm because of the, the trouble <laughs> nature. And so, so the sales team spend time going, oh, marketing, they're, they're doing the wrong stuff and there's a lot of complaining going on. And that's where we find you talked about getting together and communicating yeah. really key areas and a good question, I think, in that sales and marketing, not just heads, but team meeting is, what are the, what are the people who buy? What do they sound like? What do they look like? What do they smell like? What they <laughs> yeah. And, and, and so Martin said, okay, how can we create more things around that person so that they start to recognize more and more how we solve their problems? Absolutely. That's a simple question, simple conversation for, for companies, whether you're small or big, is to ask that question and spend a couple of hours or a half an hour, whatever it might be, continually workshopping that so that they can then start to make the noises you know, from the marketing side and from the sales side to that, to that target person, I think is, a, is an interesting one. Yeah, definitely agree with that. It's that communicate that definitely it's all about communication internally, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it's probably the key, the key takeaway from that. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Annie, any more questions from you? <laughs> You're saying that marketing and sales are obviously very different. What do you think of the idea of potentially occasionally once a month or something for like a week maybe taking two people out the marketing team and two people out the sales team and switching them I know they're different like um they've got different skill sets and things but even just to switch up the team switch up the dynamics so different ideas come in and then they can come to that balance of the short-term sales that um what the sales people want the quick turnovers to the marketing who want to do the longer process do you think that would work 
I think there's nothing but good can come from doing that and making that a regular behaviour from from the teams. Um, you know, is it is it Mandela who said, you know, if you if you really want to, I'm going to mess up the quote, but if you really want to know, you know, what a a man walk a mile in his shoes. It's yeah. very easy, isn't it, to slip from the outside and throw stones at the opposite department. Mm-hmm. Go and spend the day with them. They build a relationship because they spend the day together. They build understanding. They understand the difficult sides. They understand how they can help each other. Um, so for, for me, I think it's it's a it's a crucial part to to really get into the nitty gritty and start to understand how you can help each other. Yeah. Um, and and of course. If I spend the day with you, Annie, and you spend the day with me, the chances of you and I are picking up the phone to each other between yeah. those times on a daily or week, just ad hoc, mm-hmm. just go through the roof, don't they? Yeah, definitely. Opening up lines of communication. Um, we realise that we're, <laughs> we're both human beings and we've both got a difficult job to do and actually we can both help each other. Yeah. Um, so I think it's 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 something that's that's only only good can come out of it, and, you know, Across to you, Rachel. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it's a really good question. I totally second what Simon said there. I think, and I, I agree. It'd be, it, I think if you've got that open line of communication between your marketing and sales team and you know who they all are, then everyone's going to communicate with each other. Even, I mean, I know some offices pre-COVID were very open plan the sales and marketing team would sit in one big office maybe one corner to the other corner but perhaps wouldn't talk to each other um I know a, a, a company actually who uh, sort of we've worked with and, and it was interesting because their sales team were in a different building to their marketing team but only a few hundred yards down the road from each other but no one spoke to each other um, and even their like the sales team had their like internal kind of marketing coordinator who would speak to the corporate marketing team they still didn't have that open dialogue which was interesting and they didn't know where the inquiries on the website were going to and which salesperson that was heading off to so I think if and I think that it would have been resolved with a very simple phone call mm-hmm. um, if they knew each other could have, um, that person could have just walked across the office or just um, gone around the corner and just walked out of the office and just said hi can can you help or just something really simple like that just makes things and people like to, but we are human beings we like to make things overly complicated <laughs> for no reason whatsoever and I don't know why we do that but we just do <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's interesting you talk about we we do make things over complicated and, and it becomes more complicated doesn't it when we don't we don't talk we don't communicate and yeah when you listen you know, I spend a lot of time. I'm more, of course, in, in in the sales corner. But one of the things that is always a challenge for salespeople, particularly new into the role, is is how do we how do we quickly how do we start conversations with prospects, and then when we do, how do we assess them fairly quickly as to whether they're the type of person that we should be talking further to? And you know, something we we help sales teams develop is thirty second commercial. Um, but often the marketing communication that goes out on social media on websites theirs is all around features and benefits of product what we coach sales teams to do is to talk about and and speak the language of of the problems that we solve for our prospects for our clients and so when you get those two teams together and they both start talking about the problems they solve and they start speaking the same language what you find is marketing can then start to prepare those 30 second commercials for each of the different categories 
of clients that they have. Maybe they've got five different categories of clients. Maybe there's an enterprise client, maybe there's an SME client, maybe there's a sector client. They all have different types of problems, which means a different 30 second commercial. Instead of each individual salesperson trying to spend hours working out what the best way to develop that commercial is, marketing can prepare those for sales. So now as a company, we're on the same page. Sales teams can get those and then instead of taking time to make them, they can take time to get good at them. I think that's just one way that sales and salespeople would love marketeers for doing that for them. But they'll only love it if it speaks the language of the problems they solve as opposed to going out and saying, well, we, you know, we do X, Y, Z. Um, and, and these are the, the features and benefits of, of what we sell. So I think that's a, it's a good way for them to become good friends very quickly. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. I think I think it is about that sort of friendship, isn't it? Um, it's, it's such a build, building relationships in, internally with, with with your teams. I think is really really important. Um, and I think more so now um, things have moved online. I suppose the role of the traditional sort of sales or business development person would have been out in the field a lot more and they're having to do things digitally. So they need that support, don't they? Because of, because of COVID, um, they can't go out as much as, as they'd like to, to see clients. So a lot of it's done like we are now all on Zoom, having ha- doing a podcast rather than doing it all face-to-face. Mm. Um, so I think that support function is going to be um, quite key. And I think it may probably evolve over the um, or is evolving as we speak um, that's probably my my kind of opinion what it looks like in the future who knows we could be having sort of virtual reality um meetings who knows <laughs> that'd be quite it's quite an exciting time really for anyone that's sort of setting off in their career journey over, and what that will look like in sort of the next 20 years mm. <laughs> um <laughs> So coming back to when you um, say like it make you, people make it overcomplicated and the whole thing, then it comes up with the whole idea of when strategies or ideas fail, either on the sales side or the marketing side, how do you think that they could help each other with those failures instead of like being like, oh, I knew that was going to fail or whatever, like they could, instead of doing that, be like, well, work together and almost to stop the failure or move from the failure or learn from it. I think they'd be able to do that. I think one of the areas is, 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 is having shared and published goals, being very clear. So the marketing have their, you know, KPIs, not, not, not lots and lots, you know, what are, you, what are your three key KPIs um, in marketing and then in sales, what are theirs and sharing those because very quickly, marketing think they're doing a great job. Maybe we're, we're generating lots of leads, but maybe the salesperson's maybe number one KPI over and above anything else, if they could only pick one is perhaps number of new conversations per day, per week. Well, Martin, if they may think they're doing a great job and they may have spent a lot of money and, and, and put together a great strategy that they think is working and looks great. But if Sarah, the salesperson down here, isn't having any brand new conversations, then what's missing in the middle? What's going on there? Is it things that, that Sarah could be doing to generate her own conversations on the back of the great marketing strategy that's going on or is it that the strategy that's going on there is failing to deliver those i think when we know what our kpis are we can spot before we even go forward with a marketing strategy is there something that's missing in the middle here and and often i'm going to stick up for marketing it is here 
salespeople sit around waiting for marketing to serve up great leads. Now that may not be marketing's job at, at, at that point. It may be the salesperson's job to take whatever's going on out in the marketplace, big picture, and the stuff that the promotions that marketing are doing, but generate their own new conversations through doing their own work on LinkedIn, through doing their own um, uh, networking, doing their own referral requests, doing their own podcasts or, or whatever it might be. Um, and so I think coming back to, it, I think if we know what our KPIs are, we can know before we even start whether the holes in there. And then secondly, we can see whatever we do. Um, we can measure it on a regular basis to see if it is working. Um, so that's kind of from, from, from the red corner, but from the blue <laughs> corner. Yeah, what? I suppose it's, it's very similar um, where they're um, sort of generating sort of leads for the sales teams, but with sometimes there is a bit of a blockage. Um, maybe it's because it's not how they want to see the information. Um, so if, if, for example, um, we're generating a lead that's come through from social media advertising, but then it's like um, we look, definitely look at sort of the customer decision journey. Um, and we're very good at sort of um, breaking that cycle um, because there's something wrong with the website or there's a miscommunication from the website to where that lead gets sent to and nobody seems to know where that lead gets sent to if that makes sense so the sales guys can't pick up something that's quite warm or it may only get to that the person that's like the internal who sort of I suppose delegates the sales leads doesn't get them fast enough through to that person then to give that call back to book that meeting and I think the way forward possibly in the future is to somehow in, in larger organizations to automate it all but it is a big job it's mm. easier in in a smaller function but i imagine trying to sort of delegate any sort of potential lead that comes through sort of advertising will be quite a bit of a, a big mon a big engine to sort of automate it to each individual salesperson that's within the team um it, I, I don't know what that i imagine it can be done um it just needs you know time an effort but we have in the past and um i suppose we're working with a, a lettings agency um, where we sent all these lovely sales leads to them they weren't good enough um but in my opinion they all were but no one actually called anyone back so there was a massive list of like 30 really good leads that no one had actually touched which um i was quite worried about so I was like, well, how do you know they were good quality if no one's called the list back? So even if they weren't, at least you could filter through and then we could then sort of make the necessary adjustments to adapt the campaign. Um, but yeah, <laughs> that, was an, that was an interesting client to work with. But we're always trying to sort of work on that. Um, where our bit sort of finishes is once it goes to that particular salesperson, um, we cannot then track the conversion when, when it goes to contract. Um, and a lot of people don't, that's I suppose where you come in, Sam, don't have that process in place within their business to monitor that conversion rate from the actual marketing bit to, to close of contract and, um, and money in the bank, I suppose, is what the MD really wants to see. Yeah, it, it's, it's, uh, that's not an unusual run, Rachel, is it? It's, it's no. <laughs> a lot of sales teams really fall down is there's some great work being done on the marketing end. There's leads coming through, 
um, yeah, there's there's not a there's not a if you like sales companies are often sales leaders are guilty of measuring results mm. rather than measuring behaviors and and that behavior of okay you know there's 30 leads come through for marketing this week um who's picked them up yeah what's been done with them have we have we called them all in the time period agreed if it's 12 hours 24 hours two hours whatever the the, the company's cadence is but is that behavior being measured from lead delivered to lead picked up and it's a really simple one that if you then start to look at the close rates through the system, yeah, you got 30 extra leads, you're probably going to close more sales. So rather than worrying about how many were closing, the, the, the behavior and, and, and the accountability at the front end can be really key. And very quickly we go, actually, Martin, are doing a great job. <laughs> or we're picking up those leads and we're calling them, but we're not getting an appointment or we're getting an appointment but we're not qualifying them all. We're qualifying. So all the way through, now we can we can upskill the, you know, whether that's an attitude, a behavior, or a technique of the salesperson. But often it's easier, isn't it, for the salesperson just to throw stones at my ass because they're not giving us enough leads. Yeah, I've had that done to me. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I've heard it many, many times in in um, uh, training sessions in companies. And actually, it's 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 it doesn't sit with marketing at all. It sits with sales. So yeah, it's a really good one. I'm glad you brought that one up. No, definitely, I agree. I think so. Um, it's having that that quick turnaround. Um, I suppose people, um, the customer themselves want things now, um, and very instant. We have got that sort of that um, I suppose mentality because I suppose things like social media instant chat messaging on, on websites now people want everything not sort of I suppose 20 years ago you'd wait for someone to give you a call back and now you don't want to wait well a lot of people don't want to wait they want it now and there is a lot of competition out there and if that person doesn't get back to somebody within that time zone um, then you'll end up they'll just move on to another to another 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 business i suppose at the end of the day and i think that's that's we 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 believe and it's not a it's it, it's our definition if you like in sandler but sales begins marketing ends and sales begins where the conversation starts so the conversation as in a one-to-one -one conversation yeah. so whether that's i'm picking up something that marketing have done on social media and they've commented on it and and then I'm picking that up and saying, you know, Rachel, I noticed you commented on that, you know, and I engage with you, or whether it's like picking up the phone or whether it's you sending me the lead and I pick up the phone or say, whatever that might be. Um, in your experience, if you look across this, how much, how many, how much money do companies spend? How many leads are lost in that piece there where you mentioned earlier? Martin's doing a great job but the conversation never starts because the salesperson hasn't got their eye on that particular ball. Oh, yes, yeah, I don't, I, uh, in terms of that, I, there's amount of businesses that we've supported with lead generation campaigns. I couldn't actually, I'd have to sit and that's a good question. I'd probably have to sit at and work out that actual percentage of people that have not done anything with those, with those leads. Um, and it's quite scary that they pumped all that money in um and no one's bothering to sort of find out
if they're worth something, if they're a genuine lead or not. Mm-hmm. And when we can put all the, um, we work with a, another business um, that does ad, stops ad fraud. Um, so we know um, one particular client that we're working with who do sort of financial car applications, they actually, that's all an automated process. And we have got like a sort of a, an ad fraud blocker uh, in, in all our adverts. So they are getting genuine leads, but it's whether they can turn them around fast enough mm-hmm. um, to, to give them the call back. So we've made them very busy, which is great. Um, but I know we've worked on other campaigns where they have been very business to business. Um, and they haven't sort of followed through with those sales leads actually no one knew um, where the contact us form sent the notification to on their website no one knew where that email went which went into a black hole just somewhere so we measured and tracked everything we could um, to make sure we had our return on investment in terms of sort of lead forms once it hit their website and it went and they hit the submit button no one knew where that went which is quite scary <laughs> considering they're like a global company. <laughs> Again, in your experiences, that's, that's not unusual. No, not unusual at all. Cause I've been, I've sat on both ends mm. where no one knows where that, that form goes. Um, and then I've had people, I suppose, contact me personally, cause I suppose my Twitter account was always used as a business sort of for my personal brand people would then remember seeing me at an event and then they would say, I've sent something on a form on your website, but actually no one's, no one's contacted me, which has been quite worrying. Not for, this was pre setting up shoe. Um, but I was like quite surprised. And that was sort of earlier on sort of in the middle of sort of my corporate career, the people yeah. contacting me or even on LinkedIn as well saying that I've sent you a message, but no one's got back to me. And I'm like, I no message. I was like, where, where is that form going to? So that's on the sale, that's on the business development side. So yeah, it's definitely having that conversation with marketing and sales, isn't it? It's all back down to communication and trust again. Yeah, you, you think about what you just shared there and, and how easily that can remain buried in a big mm. company for a long time. Yeah. Whereas the sales and marketing continually meeting, spending their day together, having a you know interdepartmental meeting, all that. Those things are going to flush out fairly quickly if you've got KPIs that say, well, look, Rachel, I'm a salesperson. I need to have five new, brand new, net new conversations a day. Can you help me? And you say, well, I'm sending you 10 a day. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Where are they going then? And, and, you know, there's no, there's no blame then, is it? Let's just flush it out. And, yeah. and go, you know, now we know where they come from. Because I know as a salesperson, they want to go the easiest route possible to finding 10 people to have those conversations with. Correct. (laughs) So, you know, again, it's the questions that I guess, you know, owners or sales leaders, marketing leaders can ask is what's the easiest way to generate those new on target conversations for your salespeople every day. How do marketing help that? Are they already doing that? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. It's just that that conversation. I don't think I've worked anywhere when I've been on the sales side of things where I've had the fortunate to sort of sit and have a conversation with the marketing team. I think I've done it on the onboarding week when I was in Sydney and I worked for a hotel company out there and I've sat with their marketing team, but only for a day. Oh no, not even a day, an hour. <laughs> One hour out of my entire year of working for that particular business when I was out there that I spoke to the marketing team um, which is quite worrying really 
and yet like you say it's done in onboarding isn't it yeah Most people will, will dance their people around the different departments on boarding they yeah. want to understand the company but it never goes below the surface does it no that's fine definitely honey mm. <laughs> um so going back to obviously covid has been a huge impact on every business um but the whole working from home and the but like the bring up of zoom and everything do you think it'll now be easier if i know now obviously it's going back to normal slightly and it's sort of is it company's choice now whether they want to keep it online or bring people back like what they think works better but do you think the whole online being able to jump on a zoom call will make it easier for marketing and sales to get together and have that meeting well kind of face to face instead of on the phone do you think that will strengthen the um, relationship at all just it being easier and more accessible to have that quick meeting it's a good question Annie isn't mm. it <laughs> a really good question um I think culture determines that more than um and mindset more than um more than zoom versus you know if we're all in an office together and I'm upstairs and you're downstairs, I don't think I'm any more likely to walk downstairs than I am to request a Zoom meeting with you. I think the culture where, as Rachel said before, they're on her onboarding in Australia, she was asked to go and sit with different departments. If your culture expects that you do that, if you're measured on doing that on a quarterly basis, however however it's done, if, if you see your, your, your team you know, your your if your um, chief executive seen walking the you know walking the halls, popping their heads in, you know if your chief exec pops up and, and has I have one company I work with where every week they have a Zoom meeting they they're worldwide but they have a Zoom meeting with somebody else in their company it's randomly drawn it's like a little you know euros drawer if you like randomly drawn um, and so I'm drawn with Rachel so we have a half an hour chat doesn't matter what we talk about. We just do that. So that's culturally driven, isn't it? So I think it's easy for people to sit back and say, well, it was easier then than it is now, or it's easier now than it is then. I think that's down to culture and personal, taking personal responsibility. It's all down to communication again. Yeah, it is all about <laughs> communication is, is key. The technology makes it easier because we've got Zoom and we've got that opportunity. If people are in different ends of the country, they don't need to fly across. It's particularly in Australia, we probably have to sort of fly from one end of Australia to the other. Um, but in the UK, you don't have to drive. And, and yeah, I, I do think it's that whole culture of people just, um, it's a mindset thing if they don't want to talk to their team, but also it's the organizational culture. So it's got to come from sort of leaders in, and they set the standard um, into how their organizational culture um, how they communicate we can have all the technology in the world but it's not going to make a difference to the people that they've recruited in, into the business um, and that comes down to kind of I suppose like communication again the trust they build with the teams do, um, do they have that empowerment to go and talk to other teams or is it seen as I can't leave my desk type of culture because in the fear of someone saying well you're not at your desk you're not working whereas that's not necessarily true um, and sometimes sales teams can feel a little bit like that. If they leave their desk, they're not there to answer the phone just mm -hmm. in case it rings. I mean, <laughs> I mean, more so now we're having leads generated for us digitally. 
you don't need to be sat you're not waiting for that phone call to come in anymore um, because a lot of it does come in um, people booking appointments um, sort of in the cloud and we've got automation tools to kind of help help book those appointments in now but yeah no I agree it definitely is the organizational culture whether teams will talk to each other or not mm-hmm. which is a whole other topic <laughs> nothing to do with sales and marketing which I've just finished an assignment on to do <laughs> with organizational change and leadership which I submitted last night so that hence the topic of communicate that's all I wrote about was communication between teams yeah um, it's quite scary how it all interrelates even though they're completely different subject areas um, and you can't just put an umbrella under one thing and say right sales just do this marketing do that HR do this and senior le- you know leadership teams do this and that's it mm-hmm. can't just put an umbrella and say yep yeah, that's that's how it is and you can't you've just got to work together I think there is a, a lady I know that calls up a joined up business um and she talked about the teams talking and communicating with each other as well so I think that's probably key to that one yeah I think I think it, it, again to use forgive me but to use a, a football and the euros example what what I heard of um uh, an expert um, on Five Live talking about leadership and culture and he was talking about Denmark and one of the things they know when they look across companies and teams is, is that if they're bound by a common cause you think about sales and marketing they have different causes don't they but if the company culture has one common cause you go back to the Denmark team naturally they had that that near death experience of one of their teammates and now all of a sudden they were bound by this common cause that was just so much stronger than football or, or anything, um, which is, you know, what he believed was one of the, the key factors in, in carrying them through to, to the semi-final of the competition. And so, yeah, you've got sales and marketing teams that are pointing in different directions. And while we're just, you know, we, our cause is marketing and our cause is sales, you, you're never going to get, doesn't matter how many meetings you have, you're never going to get that common cause. So I um, thought that was a, you know, a, yeah. I, I, like, I like the simple example. <laughs> Um, it's true isn't it though because we are technically businesses are are a a team whatever team a netball team a football team everyone is having to work together because people have got their areas of specialism that they can they can they can bring to the table I suppose it's probably the easiest way to put it in simplistic terms I can't be good at everything Um, you need that support don't you to kind of you're good at this so you can support me with that um, and I think it's when people recognize, but again, that's down to a mindset, um, being able to sort of work collaboratively in an organization. Any more questions, Annie, or is that all for now? <laughs> um, thinking about um, the culture of a company and things like that, do you think, you know, like every company has a mission, they have an aim. Do you think making that more integrated in the teams and everything? So every team, although they have different criterias, have the same mission for the whole company. Do you reckon that would strengthen the relationship at all? If they're all down to one mission, it's put through the entire company. It's part of the culture. It's part of everything. If the head of the company really make that a priority. Yeah, I, I, I think if you take, you know, if you get in the good old days when we used to get on aeroplanes, but uh, if you, you know, if you're... If you're working for know, Virgin Airlines and, and you're leaving Heathrow and you're going to New York, everybody from um, you know ticketing to, um, uh, to 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 the pilot to the the, um, the cabin crew, everybody is on the same mission, aren't they? We know where we're going, 
we all have our different jobs within that to make sure that everybody arrives safely, happily, on time, whatever it might be. But ultimately, the mission is to get to New York by whatever it is, five o'clock tonight. If we're all on different missions, mm. then, then, then it comes convoluted, unsafe, however you want to look at it, very, very quickly. So um, and it goes back to cause, isn't it? You could, it's mission, a cause, I don't know. Let's, let's, let's not get into that. But um, <laughs> uh, I, I certainly think it's, um, you know, if everybody's pointing north, um, we ask better questions as a team, don't we? You know, yeah. when sales and marketing aren't, you know, when they're arguing about things, methods are many, aren't they? We can all do things differently. But if we just stop and say, where are we trying to get to? A lot of the personal stuff goes away. If we, we agree on where we're going, then we start to align in terms of, is that discussion you're having there? Is that argument, is, are those politics, are those KPIs, whatever you want to call it, is that getting us to our North Star? And if we, if we agree that probably it isn't, well, then let's realign. How do we get there? And then there's always a lot less questions and a lot less politics when we all agree on where we're going. So I would say, Annie, it's, 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 um, it's not important. It's, it's essential if you want to get to, you know, having a company that is really, you know, a world-class performing company. Yeah, no, definitely. I think I've done quite a bit of work um, sort of over lockdown um, sort of following a lot with what Simon Sinek um has been talking we did his book club um throughout the lockdown period and sort of been reading a lot of his work which was interesting and he talks about ceo actually being a a cvo or a chief vision officer instead of a a ceo i can't agree with him it's about having that vision communicating it clearly and setting those goals so that everybody put it bluntly everyone's on the bus and they're all going in the same direction Um, and i think that's really important having having that clear clear strategy um so people know what they're working towards but having if someone's at the top and um, that leader is leading with a clear vision they can then sort of set the goals and everyone sort of works together but then there's i suppose in each department there's always going to be a mic a, a sort of a, a micro leader or a influencer within within a team they may not necessarily be a manager or anything they're just somebody who people believe in they're leading that team because they believe in that vision um, that this sort of, a, I suppose, a, the, t- the person, the CEO at the top is very clear. I suppose we just have to, there's probably some very good businesses out there that have that, I suppose, Steve Jobs with Apple, he had this very clear sort of vision that he could see where Apple wanted to go. And that's probably the easiest one that people can relate to. And we really understood why we were doing it. And I think it definitely comes down to that why, but that clear communication, again, trust um, in within a team. Mm-hmm. is probably the key sort of bits and pieces that I've taken away from, from my my period of 15, 15 months of learning of um, sort of reading lots of books. <laughs> thank you very much, Simon, for joining us. And thank you everyone for listening. Great. It's a pleasure. Thanks, Annie. Thanks, thank Annie. You. And thank you very much, Simon, for um, coming in and, and chatting to us today at Shoecast. Um, really interesting conversation and hopefully I'll be interesting for other people to listen to as well and we'll um, probably pull that forward and, and take things a little bit further with with a webinar as well so probably in the autumn i think yeah.